Ooh, be deep breath. This is the big time, Garrick. This is where we it's make big our money. time. You got your Dodgers, your Dodgers have. That's right. Oh man. Clint well, let's try, let's have ourselves a podcast. Uh coming at you from uh the the lowly confines of my back room. Go Dodgers. Let's start that up. You're over. inside now. <laughs> I know. One, <laughs> two, three. Hey, Garrick, good news, buddy. I we will not have uh vans and trucks uh interrupting our podcast today. My kids may come in, but I am I am I am reconciled to give up on sitting on my balcony. It's become too cold. Too cold. Yeah. It's uh yeah, well, yeah, you're inside. That's always should we, a should we go for a good a thing. For, should we go for a different intro? That just sounded really weak. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, cut. Let's give it two seconds of, of quiet and then we'll start over. All... I need coffee. Banter, banter. <laughs> oh. Garrick, would you save us and come up with a way to start this podcast? Yeah. I'm just going to go into it then. All right. Let's talk about it. Hey, uh, hello, greetings, everybody. This might have turned into a a, psych, a meeting with your psychologist. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about that? How does that make you feel? <laughs> greetings, everybody. This is the Rabbit Trails podcast. We're glad you stopped by to listen for a little while. Welcome. I got my L.A. Dodgers hat on. The great thing about being in my household is uh, is both the Astros and the Dodgers can be represented, yeah. and, I, and I can it's, choose whom I support. So the Dodgers. I'm sorry, I I don't live in America anymore, and I, I was I was never a huge baseball fan. But the Dodgers, who won the World Series, they did. The they won the World Series, and they they also they won the, were World, in the World Series. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've been one of the best teams in baseball for like four or five years now. Yeah, Clayton Clayton Kershaw. Yep, he's a Texan. He's from Texas. Yeah, yeah, he goes. I, he, he, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's, uh, it's I mean. Glad we did this. One, a great, a, a legend, a legends of baseball. No, I, I know, I know about baseball. I just haven't been following uh, the. Uh, I know the Astros have also been good. I was yeah. actually at a baseball game about two summers ago when we were in the states. We went and saw the Rangers. Uh, I'm so it was, sorry. It was a great. It was a good game. Yeah, it was. It was a fun game though. They. It was like uh, you know three or four home runs. The Rangers won. It was exciting. My, my only memory of of the I've only been in one Rangers game, and we got. Uh, cheap seats in the nosebleed section and it was like 107 outside and I just oh, wanted to die. I just remember thinking this is the worst feeling in the world. So I don't blame them for doing a, an indoor stadium. Texas is hot. It's only getting hotter. So uh, why not do that? Yeah. Yep. You know, we now used the- to know a trick. There was a trick back in the day when that now I don't think it works in the new statement. I, I think they figured it out, but it's right. You know, the, the old stadium is like right next to six flags. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Six Flags parking lot kind of abuts up. So the back end of the of that parking parking lot, the Six Flags one, pretty much leaves you almost like a short walk to the yeah, yeah, stadium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we would get we'd have tickets. This is back in college, just a little while ago. We'd have tickets to Rangers. We'd go, we'd pay for parking in uh Six Flags. Yeah. Uh and first it was cheaper. The parking was cheaper. And then we would park at the very far end where there was where no one would park because you're so far away from Six Flags. We would park, and just you would like kind of walk over this little hill and down this, uh, you know, down this hill, and then you're you're already right there. It was great. We just, we did that all the time. That was nice. one of the tricks. I don't think you, you, that was work. That, that was you know that was like 20 years ago. So that probably yeah, wouldn't, didn't wouldn't probably stop working. It probably, someone figured it out and then yeah. shut it down. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well, for the anyway. three people who listen to this podcast who happen to like baseball, baseball. this is this is this moment has been been brought to you by Major League Baseball and its a, its collective uh, owners. Uh, for the rest of you who think baseball is boring or don't even know what baseball is about, uh, we'll talk about something else today. Um, yeah, let's Although, let's, yeah. let's deconstruct something and reconstruct something like yeah. Legos. Legos are big in my life, so let's let's, uh, let's a lot of Legos. Huh? Yeah, no, actually, um, this came up. Well, you and I have been wanting to talk about this for a while because we've we've seen a trend. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think you have to be you just have to be half awake in order to see this trend. I kind of feel like, uh, but that is the fact of a lot of people deconstructing faith, mm-hmm. um, and 
we of course see the need. I mean, not see the need. Uh, I guess every Christian would see the need to reconstruct that faith. But anyway, delve into maybe at least get our uh, up to our knees wet in uh, the water of this whole deconstructing deconstruction yeah. conversation. Um, yeah. Where where are you seeing it pop up? Well, you see it pop up. I, I I'm on Twitter occasionally, um, and so. I, I, it, it seemed like maybe a couple of years ago and still going strong, but it seemed like a couple of years ago, it was like, boom, boom, you know, and maybe even last year there, you know, there was a lot of famous people uh, deconstructing. So either completely leaving the church and faith on one hand, on another hand, sometimes people would deconstruct into a kind of a more liberal uh, kind of Christianity, which, you know, okay, that's, that's, that's not so bad. Um, at least you're still in the house. Uh, and, but a lot of people were just kind of, or deconstructing into atheism or some kind of more, um, uh, what I would say is kind of generalized theism, you know, like, ah, well, there's the God and there's some good things, but I can't, I can't believe it anymore. I can't buy the the whole, the whole thing anymore. So, um, you know, and like I said, there's been some kind of big ones, big, uh, and, but, um, I, I think it'd be interesting to talk about some of the maybe some of the reasons and then some of the, some of the, I have some serious objections to some of the thinking or some of the things that kind of surround it. Um, maybe objections isn't the right word, but uh, qualms. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so I think I, you're right. I remember, what was it last year? There was that one dude, Joshua Harris, uh, then some famous. Oh yeah. 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 There's been a couple of me, actually several, quite a few musicians as of recent, some dude who was with Hillsong church. I had no clue who he was, but then there was also, yeah. um, was it Michael Gunger and his wife, uh, both kind of renounced their faith and kind of were like, yeah, we're, we're atheists. Uh, there's been the uh, YouTube stars, Rhett and Link, both of them former staff yeah. members of, of Campus Crusade. Um, yeah, so they kind of came out and said, you know, that they were atheists and talked about their they how their faith kind of got deconstructed. If I go to my own life, um, I have people near and dear to me and then also an extended orbit uh, who – orbit that makes me sound like the sun and that things orbit around me <laughs> i'm kind of a big deal people know me um, <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> but uh but anyway i mean definitely know people who have kind of deconstructed their faith some have reconstructed bits uh but yeah you see kind of the two two areas um certainly a conversion is a deconstruction of of some sort right so even if if you come mm -hmm, to christ mm -hmm. you deconstructed or constructed something uh, so we don't have a problem with that construction, the way that that road moves. But um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there, it does seem to be that we're in a – you studied history. Actually, your degree is in history, right? Your undergrad? I have an undergraduate degree in history, yes. Yeah. So you, you might speak to this more authoritatively than I, but being a novice student of history, it's always amazed me that like in uh, like World War One, right? So th there was just a – something in the air and the atmosphere that was people were thinking alike, even though they might've found themselves in vastly different um, mm -hmm. parts of the world, or even like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm reading uh, a book you recommended on the Spanish civil war right now and kind of the oh, cool. air that was there that was going on in the rest of the world as a result of, you know, you've got the, the Russian revolution and, and different things. So as far as anarchists mm -hmm. and communists and fascists and all these different things go, blah, blah, blah. My point is um, it seems to me that in the air right now is the great deconstruction. If, if I were, mm -hmm. especially among, especially among those who have been in a kind of Christendom or grown up in a mm -hmm. uh, Protestant Christianity and maybe even a, maybe even a Catholic. I'm just less associated. I I'm less familiar with, with some yeah. of that world. So I, I want to, I don't want to comment on, on that too much, mm -hmm. but, but, yeah, but I, it I think seems like, it seems like it's kind of in the atmosphere. I think it's an incredibly astute observation. Um, and I'll, so I'll, I'll point us to two philosopher sociologists that might help us think about these things. So one is uh, Charles Taylor, which you've read yep. uh, a little bit. It's a guy, uh, Catholic. At least the front and back anchor. cover of most of his books. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a chapter here and there, an article, because he's, he's an incredibly intelligent person and he's got some great ideas, but you really got to work through his, his, his work. Um, you know, he, he has a term called modern social imaginaries. Yeah. So 
he would say, and so I think that's what you're getting at a little bit is that, that there's these things that kind of gain a life of their own. And so I think what he says, though, what's interesting, and, and, and I'll throw another guy in here named Richard Bauckham. He's a oh, theologian, yeah. English theologian. I think he passed away just recently. Um, is that the modern social um, imaginaries are kind of the, the context we live in. So they're thoughts or the way people conceive and think about the world. And they kind of take on, in some ways, a life of their own. So w- when you're in, right, we don't, we don't really think about it. So if deconstructing things, deconstructing and rethinking and really what you're seeing is, is I think, at the core of it, uh, number one, uh, uh, and, and I think Taylor would agree, and I think the next guy I'll mention would agree too, is, is a focus on the self, right? So focus on, 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 on yourself and, and creating, you know, your pers- personal project is, is, is a term I've heard from some friends of mine. Uh, that, you know, we live in a world where personal project, and that gets le- moved into our Christian world. It's, 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 an, it's a social imaginary, right? That's just what we do, what we think, how we conceive of the world. And part of that, part of being a personal project, I think, if I, if I could be so bold to, to assume, is to recreate who you are when you want to, right? But also to deconstruct the institutions, the things uh, that seem to be uh, impeding advancement of society or the individual. Um, and so, because some of that could be good, but some of that can also be incredibly dangerous. So I, I'm going to go to Zygmunt Bauman with Liquid Modernity, where he would talk about we're living in a time of where we, we're melting all the solids, the solids that things that used to hold us together. He doesn't talk a lot about religion, but he's talking about institutions in society or maybe uh, social imaginaries that bind like the family. That, that, you know, those things are falling apart. There's a lot of skepticism, a lot of deconstructing of those things that holds together. And, you know, I, I think, I think on this other side of things, you have to remember that the, um, the ability, the freedom to deconstruct yourself in some ways is an, is an incredibly, I, I won't be careful because I'm not really trying to criticize people who are doing this. What I'm trying to get us to maybe in a roundabout way is, is another thing, but it's incredible. It's an incredibly elite position in the world. Mm. To say I have the ability to disconnect myself from family, from institutions, from and just go my own way. So the reality is most people in the world can't do that, or don't right. have the freedom, or don't want that freedom, right? So it's a, it's an incredible, it's it's an elite position to take, which is now filtering. But the, the elite it filters down into you know other people. And, and by what, elite, I, what I really want to you get, don't just mean you just don't mean professors at elite universities. What you what uh, you mean is the idea of of those who find themselves in the in the Western world who have yeah. lots of freedoms and individual freedoms and, and upward. Yeah. Ability. Do you make, do you make 60, do you, yeah. Do you make 60 grand a year and you can get on a plane and go anywhere you want? Most, right. most of the time. That, right. you're, you're elite. You're disconnected in some sense. And I, I would consider myself and you in, in that world where we're, we have the ability to disconnect ourselves at any moment. And Zygmunt Bauman says we're tourists, right? Mm-hmm we're not connected we don't have i have you know so if there's if there's poor people if there's people suffering i don't i have the ability to extricate myself from that and 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 enjoy my life in a way that doesn't isn't burdened by people who who don't have those freedoms now that's obviously a very extreme way of looking at it and that's that's but i think it helped it's helpful so, so what i would say is that most people who are who maybe are going through kind of this this deconstruction thinking about this while they're very focused on what's going on in their lives and how they see things, I think they're still coming at it from a very limited perspective. And, mm-hmm. and, they're, and maybe they're not self-reflexive enough to know that, that they're, what, they're reacting against something they see as, well, that's just, that was the flow. And so everyone went with the flow and now I'm going against the flow. When reality is like, mm, there's two flows. <laughs> you're just jumping into, you're just jumping into the, the new flow. Uh, right, right. And, and so that's, once again, I want to be careful. I, I don't want to say that those people don't have, free will or they're, or they're not earnest and very sincere or, or that there's not a justifiable their, reason to do yeah, or there's not justifiable reason. about their faith. Like I, exactly. I, I heard someone comment, oh, man, I forget. Oh, I forget who it was. He was a really smart guy. He actually wrote a book on deconstructing faith. Maybe we should see if we could have him come on the podcast to talk about it. Um, it sounds familiar. I, I think he was a, might be an Anglican bishop. I'm for I'm I'm really struggling as to who it was. Anyway, he was talking about and he made the point. Look, a lot of things in our in our faith 
journey need to be deconstructed, that we all carry mm-hmm. in um, incorrect views of who God is, and therefore our, some of our theological underpinnings do need to be con- deconstructed. The question is, um, are you deconstructing the entirety or are you deconstructing parts? Are you adjusting mm-hmm. uh, for, for a, a more appropriate reality? Um, and I think that's a valid point. So I think first and for, foremost, from the, from the get-go, I think we need to say um, some things do absolutely need to be deconstructed. Um, the view, sure. Sure. you know, if you, if you were to read some past theologies of the view of, um, you know, racial views or different things like that, th- those views need to be deconstructed. And thankfully, uh, many of them have been, and there, that continues to be a conversation that, that maybe we can have another day. Uh, but, but some of those areas would be areas that have been deconstructed for many people or need to continue to be deconstructed, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. What, by and large, yeah. though, I think maybe we're seeing or maybe what Bauman would say is that the flow is deconstructing to the point of non-existence. So, so if we take an institution, loss of community, yeah, the loss of community and, and, and ties that bind people together for for a successful society. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so really, or throwing the baby out with the bathwater to, to to sum it all up, which is never good for with the, for the baby. Let's be honest. But usually Uh, not. Yeah. So, so anyway, so those are some of the things. Um, how yeah, I think you make you, how, a really good point there. How have you seen, or if you care to comment, um, how, how have you seen some of this pop up uh, on a practical, on a practical scale, like in, in ways, whether it be, you can think of individual things or even just trends that you, that you see. And I would say on deconstructing to the faith issue, although gosh, I think this is a really important thing to think. So, gosh, total rabbit trail here. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. What I see, what I see us doing a lot of times in faith communities is we tend to think that general phenomenon, when they are applied to um, our faith community, are not happening in the general population and are only happening to our faith community. Okay, mm-hmm. so. So I think partly what I mean is, is we think, okay, people are deconstructing their faith. This is a terrible thing. And we only look at it through the lens of the faith community, but we're actually not realizing that no, like general trust in government or general trust in news outlets or general trust. Like what you're describing is a, is a much broader phenomenon. And then we're going to narrow down and talk about it on the, on the faith level. But I think it's important to like you have done to pull back and remind ourselves that, wait a second, this is something that is happening to society at large at the moment, not just faith. Yeah. uh, I I think so. Whatever else. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think so. That, that tends to be a feeling, um, and so, but, but I think what it, what it demands is those of us, you know, if you are someone who's in, in the wanting to deconstruct, you need to be aware that you're, you're going with, you know, a certain, you know, you need to pull back and be more self-reflexive, reflexive about the reality that, you know, we always think of ourselves as I'm unique. I'm doing this amazing thing. I've, I'm come across something new and reality is no, you haven't. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, no. that, that, that's just, that's just the reality is like, the th- and I, I see that in the argument as well that I see a lot of um, arguments in the deconstructing side of things that are recycled that I'm like, yeah, but I was, we were talking about that 20 years ago in seminary. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, so these are, you're not, you, you haven't really pulled anything out new and that's okay. So once again, I don't want to disparage people's sincerity or honesty, but I think if you're going to really, really, really go down that road, you, you really need to do your homework. Um, and, and, and if, your whole thing is about I'm more self-reflexive than great, but be more self, you know, try to try to work hard being more self-reflexive in the sense of there's, there's other, there's other options, I think. So that just took us down another rabbit trail. Well, you've come to the right place. Uh, so what are the, what are the areas that you see in specific that people seem to have that, that start down the journey? If you, if you can think of any, um, that start start people down the the road of deconstruction to eventually let's say even losing their faith or becoming 
maybe a watered down faith or, or, or something to that nature. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it seems like one is a little bit of a, a bad experience maybe okay. at yeah. some level or, or a hypocritical experience in the church or not necessarily abusive, but, you know, kind of manipulation. So, so something happened in a, in a faith community that was negative. Right. Which there's plenty of news of uh, by virtue of, yeah. oh, well, I mean, I don't want to just blame it on the information revolution, but, uh, or, yeah. uh, but, but I mean, it, it, there is a sense there that because we have so much information readily available to us that um, something happening in a small town somewhere where someone feels like it happened next door. So I, I think we need to, or even a big town or, or whatever else. So yeah. there's perspective yeah. there. Um, yeah. So, you know, in, in the things that I've dealt with, um, it's interesting that you point out that the hyper individualization of, of the person. So the personal project, um, I would say that that's a big theme that seems to happen among those who have deconstructed faith um, I don't think that they set out thinking I'm a personal project and this is how I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. view everything through the lens of did this help me or hurt me or, you know, but it definitely tends to be, yeah, okay, people have a bad experience with something in the community of faith or hear stories of it, um, maybe don't have a full frame of reference. Um, rightfully so, trust is broken. I think a lot of times that is it. I think in a second area that I see uh, and then I've seen, so this is speaking from personal knowledge of, of people, I would say is a view of God that is ultimately deficient. And so, mm-hmm. but they've organized their world around this view of God. And then when either they burn out, hit a wall, or things don't turn out the way that they thought they should uh, because of that deficient view of God, um, they they reject God. So then there becomes a deconstruction. So they go through this necessary process of deconstruction of, okay, um, I've got to deal with this. So you've got, you've got, uh, you know, cognizant dissonance that's happening within, within themselves. And so they're trying to figure that out, but what it ends up doing is they, they just kind of go, well, none of that was true. Um, and, and God becomes a, a big disappointment. Um, and that one seems to me is to be one of the most common. I right now I think the issues that seem to be most affecting people are you talk about experience, but the hypocrisy of Christians within um, within uh, politics on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. um, turns a lot of people off. Therefore, they end up they end up rejecting. Um, and then the second would be which I had it at the tip of my tongue and forgot it. Oh, I hate it when that happens. I'll come back to it. So, but that's one that I, the whole politics. Oh yeah. Um, the homosexual, gay, sexual orientation. Um, yeah. That one seems to be one that, that people deconstruct and rather quickly on a lot of times. Um, but here's what yeah. I would say. I don't think it just happens to be a deconstruction or around um, sexual orientation. I actually think it has to be, it's a, often a deconstruction around just sexual desires in general. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've seen yeah. s- well, single heterosexual or married heterosexual deconstruct a faith based upon um, sexual desires in general. Yeah. Well, sex, sex, sex is powerful and, and it's, you know, it's always been a huge, so if you want to go back to social modern social imaginaries, you know, the, the I think one thing we'd say about, or the world we live in is sexual fulfillment is the utmost thing you can experience. So, you know, we, we want to say sex is good, but there's a, there could be an over obsessiveness in our, in our world today with, you know, uh, with sexual pleasure. And so that could, that also creates a, you know, tension. Yeah. And, and, and I think in evangelical world, we haven't often dealt well with these, uh, no, this topic. We haven't, we haven't given people complexity in, in, in those topics. So I, so I want I want to kind of get around to it like a little bit that a lot of this fault does a lot of th- this pushing people away. It, it is in some sense, the fault of Christianity. We haven't necessarily not Christianity per se, but Christian modern Christianity, 
that could be one of the, 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 the symptoms or problems is that we haven't done a good job of talking about those things, of, of really creating a, a more complex way of thinking about a lot of these things within our modern society. We just said, that's bad, don't do it. Yeah. If you do it, you're bad. Typically, that's an oversimplification as well because there's sure. plenty of great books, there's plenty of great resources, but we maybe haven't helped people think through those things as simply. And there's... And so I can I understand why in all these areas people can, move. Can can I also venture away. though? This is where I get a little bit. Uh, I agree with that, and I would be the first to first to say that we don't do a good job. That we're very. I mean, I do it with my own kids. Don't do that. Why? Because I said so. Yeah, um, it's bad. It's bad. Don't do it. Um, but I would wager that sometimes in the whole deconstruction process people don't really go looking for answers either. So a lot yeah, of times I, what I, I see I happen is a certain buildup and then an intolerance forms and then a, a rejection forms thereafter. So people go, if you were to take sexual, um, uh, you know, issues, a lot of times people don't really go looking for on a long, look, these things take, a really long and hard and arduous process of thinking about and forming an opinion, especially if you're deconstructing something only to reconstruct something that's not going to happen overnight yet. It can happen really quickly. And so I think, I think what is important is for people to maybe slow down and enter a process of measured consideration and i'm not saying that everyone who has done who has deconstructed their faith hasn't had measured consideration um but it it is interesting to me that it that it seems to have it can happen and uh, for some people it's a year's journey but it, it does seem to happen fairly quickly i just don't necessarily know that human beings myself included often look for a really thought out measured answer. We tend to look for things to back up what our intuition is. We find that and then go here, here's the justification. Yep. So, and as a um, professor recently pointed out, talking about his students, he, he kind of said, look, if you want to find a PhD who will say what you believe, you can find yep. that PhD. That yep. person exists. So just because a person's got a PhD behind their name doesn't doesn't mean that the, that there is an authority and that's an issue of the world that we live in today as well. So I don't know. I think sometimes it's just people just really don't want to look very hard, you know? Yeah. Well, and also we have to, I think, well, so here's another, so I think we also have to realize that there will be certain things about following Jesus that is off putting. I mean, Jesus was pretty clear about this, you know? Yeah. That's there's, a good point. So there's, so, so, so I, I want to be once again balanced there because I, I think, and, and maybe, and maybe that's also another failure of the church is we haven't pointed people as well as we think we have towards the true Christ and the true demands of the Christian faith. And so sometimes we've created a very cultural Christianity. I'm not necessarily saying that Christian, cultural Christianity isn't, isn't good, right. Or that it is bad, but it is maybe not the full picture of, of what we're trying to get. So I, I just thought of this quote because I think it's a little bit about, you know, and so you and I were talking about this, the, the movie, a hidden life. And there's this great, great quote in there. This is about a guy who's standing up to Nazism in his own very determined, but quiet way. Right. And so he's having this interview with this painter, this church painter. And the church painter says this, he goes, what we do is just create sympathy. We create, we create admirers. We don't create followers. Christ's life is a demand. You don't want to be reminded of it. So we don't have to see what happens to the truth. A darker time is coming when men will be more clever. They won't fight the truth. They'll just ignore it. I paint their comfortable Christ with a halo over his head. How can I show what I haven't lived? Someday I might have the courage to venture, but not yet. Someday I'll paint the true Christ. And I wonder too, if, that if in our, own, and, and, and once again, this is, you know, I want to be really careful because we're, we're talking about a, a God and a Jesus who forgives and loves and gives grace to even, because in, in there, there's a bit of a hint, right? That, that, that this church, this painter, he's yearning for something more, even though he hasn't, you know, fully embraced the true Christ, but he knows he's there. And, and so I think there's, there's some value in that, but, the, the idea that that Christ's life is a demand, and I wonder if we've really made in a lot of our stuff that 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 reality. So that's gonna 
that's going to automatically uh, eliminate a lot of people because yeah. they're not going to want to do that. They're good, they want to be an admirer. But what it means is when we created a culture of admirers, it's very easy for people then to, to walk away from that for good and for bad for, 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 I think sometimes very honest reasons that they just, they don't, they wanted that true Christ. And yeah. They find it. And yeah, sometimes well, I think for personal selfish reasons of like, well, yeah. it was just a cool culture. I don't, I never understood it. I didn't really. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Certainly there exists those. I, it's, it's interesting because there exists on, on, on some level. I, I wonder if it's not that, there exists um, <laughs> dead space is never good on a podcast. Harkins, come on, <laughs> pull it together. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to put my finger on what it is. I, I, I want to say I, my concern um, is that we, like you said, we want to paint a Christ that's comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think Matt Michelotis kind of makes this point in Imaginary Jesus is his book, which uh, is kind of a fun, Matt, Matt's always a fun writer to read because he's playful and, but he makes really good points. But, but then there's the reality that all of us have this imaginary Jesus. So Sky Jatani actually in his book with um, ends up making this point as well, but basically we kind of live for God, we live under God, we live, you know, all these different things, but do we live with God? And ultimately yeah. God wants to live with us. It's a relationship. Um, and, and so we create these false messiahs in some sense, it's our understanding. And then when that messiah, messiah lets us down or God allows that messiah to, to be blown up by, by virtue of culture just couldn't carry the day or, yeah. or whatever else. Um, but I will say that when we're reconstructing um, Jesus, that we need to be, or not reconstructing Jesus, but our understanding of who Jesus yeah. is. I, on some level, we need, we need to make sure that that Jesus is going to, that we have, that we have a picture of Jesus that isn't just a, looks like us. Yeah. A hundred percent like us. Uh, like, and more, I'm, what I mean is our appetites. Um, because I, that's a really dangerous thing too. So, um, and I see that happen a lot, right? So the reconstructing mm -hmm. of Jesus becomes, uh, either he's crazy permissive and just doesn't care about anything. It's a hippie. Um, yep. yeah, you know, and, and, and that's a dangerous spot to get to because then you've just, you've just taken the, the sense of, well, Jesus is actually pretty offensive. Um, so at the same time, I, I think that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is you have to be able to reconstruct some reconstruct it to the point of saying, okay, um, it's kind of like the, the quote from, from Lion, Witch in the wardrobe, you know, is he a safe lion? Oh no, he's not safe, but he's good. He's there's, there's always that, there's always that a little bit of uh con, not conflict, but yeah, conflict, conflicting ideas there mm -hmm. um, that we have to, the, the Jesus who we know, he's absolutely good. Um, yep. and he's even safe, but, but there's a sense there of, but it, you gotta be careful. Cause it, it, he'll, the, the moment you think, okay, I got this nailed down. It's, it's not so. Yeah. So, so here's a question for you, Barrett. Would good is, is a problem here, an inability for Christians to understand cultural anthropology, to understand how culture functions and works and to, and to be able to understand that Jesus is a Jesus that comes in, in the guise of a culture but is much, much, much more. And so Christianity is simply the following of Jesus. And, and, and so all the other stuff that comes along with it, right? Whether we read hymns or sing hymns or and skip the third stanza every time, or that's just the trappings of a culture around it. Because I, I, think, I think you've said too, is I feel like sometimes people, it's, it's a rejection of the culture, but not a rejection of Jesus necessarily. So I don't, would, does, would that be something that helps us, the, a deeper understanding of what culture is? Yeah, and, and how and how it functions. Um, yeah, I mean, in one sense, it, I think it's important to train and to talk about within the church uh, and among the community of believers um, the things we should be willing to lose our lunch over, our house over, and our lives over, and distinguishing between those. Right. So, so in some sense, um, but th I think this is the hard part, right? Like, you know, you hear people like oftentimes in the whole deconstruction 
conversation, people will talk about dogma, dogma, dogma. And I'm just, I'm just done with the dogma and empty religion. And, you know, so then they go sure. out and join the hippie commune and, and, and everything else. Yeah. I, 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 I understand that impulse. The problem is, is dogma arose because there were, it arose because people were trying to find a way to, to succinctly communicate really difficult things. Right. And then it becomes rose. So every generation has to, and every person on some sense, on some level has to rediscover the person of Jesus mm-hmm. um, anew and then distinguish between those three things, what I'm willing to lose my lunch house and life over uh, and, and gauging those degrees and what parts are culture and what parts are, are not the interesting thing about so I had a discussion with a friend of mine, uh, a Jewish friend of mine, the other day, or I say the other day, at some point, uh, in my memory, in the last forty-two years, I believe. Um, who he he you know he points out we had this discussion about okay what's the role of say the law uh, today and and, mm-hmm. and different things, but the reality is is you know the laws that was received two thousand years ago under or however long ago it was was it 3,600 years ago under Moses? Um, How it looked then is actually different now because God actually allowed Israel even to, he did not create all aspects of culture and then say, don't change it. He actually gave them a lot of freedom and they actually began to create culture around that. And some of it he rebukes them for, and they needed to deconstruct their view of God and other things he did not. Other things he stepped into and he accepted, right? So I think I do think you're right in the idea of culture that it's it's very important to understand what parts are culture, how does it work, why is it important, and then why is it also maybe not important? Why is it something we need to be willing to give on? What are the bits mm-hmm. that that can be changed? Or is yeah. that, that's in some sense that's the role of the prophets, right? The role of the prophets is to challenge some of the cultural <laughs> and some of the false gods that we have put up in and around our worship of the one true God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. in some sense, we need more prophetic voices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there, there yeah. lies the question, do we listen to our prophetic voices? Yeah, do we? So, cause, cause I, I think often for me, when I, some certain people reject certain things, I go, well, you're not rejecting Christianity. You're just rejecting 20th century Texas Baptist culture, or for instance, you know, just, a, just a, pull one out or you're rejecting, you know, hyper Pentecostal Southern, you know, you're, 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 and, 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 and you're, and, and some of those things you're right to reject. Or, or one abusive pastor or elder. Yeah. One abusive yeah. pastor. And so, and, and like I said, I think you said that there's some value in maybe rejecting some of that, but it becomes, you know, to the point where you've just created a straw man. And, and unfortunately it feels like, okay, well, if your faith was based on that straw man, that, you know, that you didn't create, but some the world created, you know, then, then, you know, by all means, you know, you need to, you need to explore and deconstruct and reconstruct because you're, you're maybe you're not actually, maybe you weren't actually really believing in um, the true, you know, the true Jesus. So, so that, and like I said, I want to be really careful because I do think there's, you know, people, most people who are doing, going through this, you know, are, are very sincere, heartfelt people who are trying to deal with something I think what you and I are arguing is like, there's, there's more there, you know, let's think, think, think deeper and search, search deeper. Is that a word? Well, yeah. So so there's, it's interesting. There, there, there needs to be a, as with most of these things, there's the philosophical and the argument itself that one has to engage with, but then there's also the pastoral. Yeah. The heart, the the pastoral and heart element is very different than the, okay, let's have the conversation about whether or not Jesus is worth deconstructing the point of non-existence. Um, But as human beings, we don't, we don't make those calculations in silos in our own lives. So it's hard. We, we, we blend those two. Um, and so it's hard to, to, to pull them out. So it's an art form to walk through with someone. They're deconstructing. Here's, here's what I would say. Um, when one encounters, so if one's doing it personally, um, I, or I'm sorry, if one is journeying with someone personally, uh, I think one of the best things that one can do is patiently uh, walk through some of the things with a person. So those questions, yeah. one of the, I, 
I'm not saying that one should be permissive. I think one should put out things and challenge, but also one should know, Hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm pilgriming along with you in this journey. I think to be patient with one, even, even when they reject. So I'm, I'm currently involved with friends who have deconstructed their faith to the point of rejecting God, um, who would claim to be atheists um, because well, nothing has changed about my friendship or relationship with them. My desire is to, to continue to, to be in, to be involved with them, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think that's a key thing because I think people can sometimes feel like my relationship is, is tied to my church uh, uh, membership or my, my affiliation with a certain belief system. And I, and I think that's, that there's a strong pastoral element, particularly in this day and age of, if we can say we're in an age of deconstructing, of, of melting of solids, is to, to, and I think you hit the word key there, pilgrim, is to take, take the attitude of a fellow pilgrim with people away from this idea that the church has all the answers tightened up and clear and we, we give the truth, but no, we, we seek the truth with people and we have, uh, we have to locate that the center of that truth in, in Jesus Christ, which is, you know, an incredibly compelling person. Even, even if you don't want to believe in him, it's an incredibly compelling story and person and teaching. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think the, the, you know, and maybe that's another thing, another shift the church needs to make is away from uh, a church of institution of grandeur of, of exactness and always being correct to a church that is really, takes people along and walks with them through the hard, hard time through the walk. I think, I think at the very least it needs to be a church that recognizes that many of our, many of that we need to deconstruct things in our belief of God too. Right. So I could have told you the right dogma about, or the right answer about how to view God, but I have particular idols in my life, idols of success Mm-hmm. Idols of me um, earning God's favor. Um, Numbers. I know, Numbers. I know. Yeah, I know that no missionary has ever gone onto the field before in an effort to earn God's favor, and then to kind of, to be honest, to be able to say, "What's your problem? Why are why are why are things difficult? I'm doing everything right. I'm a missionary yeah. for crying out loud." But yeah. the truth is, is that's the way I live my life, and and those are things in the last few years that I've had to deconstruct. Of, oh, wait mm-hmm. a second, how is my view here not? accurate of who God is. And so that's a deconstruction, Mm -hmm. but that's all happened within the community of faith. And I think that that's a huge, hugely important thing is I've been fortunate to be surrounded by people who weren't scared for some of those and who encouraged me along the way. Um, I was honest about it, but I also felt safe. So I think those are a couple of elements is one, people have to feel safe, but we need to be a community that's okay with deconstructing a few things in order to come at something in a, in a new and I think yeah. to, to be able to reconstruct it. Um, I think one of the worst things that someone can do is remove themselves from the system uh, or for, not from the system, but from the community of faith um, yeah. in order to like, I see it all the time. I've seen it with so many people. Well, I just don't know. I'm so confused. So I'm going to withdraw for a while um, and then I'll come back once I've got the answer figured out. Here's the problem with that. You never withdraw in isolation. So a person doesn't, no one ever goes to the desert to read the desert fathers and kind of begin to understand and go journey back to the, no, what they actually end up doing is they end up withdrawing into a different community of faith who hasn't named Jesus, who has probably some kind of secular value or other religious value. And all of a sudden the things that they're saying start to make sense because those other voices are no longer in them. So I think, I think for anyone who's journeying, I think admonishment to stay connected to a community of faith. Now you may need to leave your current community, your, your, your most local community and find a different community that, that's a lot more accepting of some of that isn't scared by some of those questions. I mean, I grew up in a very fundamentalist um, situation in which if someone did ask those questions, my own brother would say, I asked a lot of those questions and everyone always told me you can't ask those questions. Um, And that's really dangerous. Um, You know, a person should be able to ask those questions, but hopefully you find yourself, one finds themselves in a situation where Mm -hmm. they can, they can ask those questions so that the, the, the true Christ can be, 
understood or, or a better picture of who Jesus is can be understood. Yeah. So if we're talking about deconstructing, how do we reconstruct? Cause if you're like me, you've probably been at times points in your, your, your journey where you go, gosh, I don't know. I don't know about this. Yeah. You know, how, how, where do you, where do you look uh, to, if, you know, if you're someone going, I'm struggling with this, I don't know the answers because it, 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 at the same time, it's not easy, you know? Yeah. Uh, to, to where do you look? Where, what are some things that have helped you uh, maintain a faith? Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question. One, I would think you have to boil it down to the main things and then ask yourself if those things have changed. Right. So yeah. um, the, the, the worst way to start deconstructing faith and then trying to reconstruct it, it's to go to the issues, like I said, of things I'm willing to lose my lunch over. Okay. So like, I don't know, some ridiculous issue like speaking in tongues. Right. So um, for me to start questioning, okay, either for or against, but is that an issue? And then to somehow question God's existence based off of that issue is probably a really bad idea, but it, but it happens nonetheless. Um, the things that I'm willing to lose my life over, you know, well, Jesus died and rose from the dead. He is God. Um, and, and a few other issues. And have those things changed? Yeah. Now you may, some of your re- deconstruction may, may circle around those things. And those are really big questions. But what I would say is try to try to say, okay, has anything changed that, that I, I, I can't, that, that would make me say, okay, I need to question these things. And most of the time, a lot of my deconstruction or the struggles that one has are happening around satellite issues rather than the main issue mm-hmm. that then cause doubt on the main issue. Um, if I work backwards, so work in the right direction is one thing. Um, I would say f- finding a good community of people to stay connected um, uh, within that community to process. And then thirdly, I would say, you got to give it a lot of time, uh, but stay patiently engaged with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, a lot of times I heard someone say one time, um, you know, I, I, I'd pray and, and, and God wouldn't answer um, because, you know, they found themselves in a, let's say a more of a Pentecostal yeah. Uh, context where everyone, when they talk about prayer and God answering, it's this basically Moses on the mountaintop or, or uh, Paul on the, on the road to Damascus. I mean, every day sounds like that. And it leaves a lot of people with a disturbed sense of, but that doesn't my experience. So then they start to question things. One thing I would say is one, one question I would say is, look, is there a community of faith that that is faithful to Jesus who may not see it that way, who may yeah. have a different expression of faith. Like, yeah. um, and that's been, I think one of the things actually that saved me, cause I grew up in a early in my life, I was in a more fundamentalist charismatic situation in which um, that's the way everyone talked. And I picked up some of that language, but then I started to not, to not experience that myself, like where I would pray and I wouldn't, necessarily hear anything or didn't experience the what everyone else seemed to experience uh but at the same time i the lord was gracious but i i kind of started looking in other places and i found expressions of the faith that were vibrant but yet didn't talk about hearing the voice of the lord every time they went for a walk or ate a cheese sandwich yeah um (laughs) so so uh, no, no kidding. One time in college, there was a girl who told us she, she made an announcement. She came in and we we're all, you know, good friends or whatever, hanging out. She came in, guys, I'm going to Turkey. I was eating a Turkey sandwich today and God told me go to Turkey. turkey. <laughs> that was, she's, she's, she never made it to Turkey. Uh, yeah. anyway, so, so, uh, so that, th- those are a couple of things, but I think I say work in the right direction. Don't disconnect yourself from a community of faith. You may need to find a different community of faith. And then, this, and then the other thing would be give it time. Yeah. Um, give it time. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I would say, you know, read, read the Bible. I think get in the Bible because, I, or, you know, at least get someone who can help you interpret because when you, when you talk about, you know, God's got to show up if he's not answering prayer, I'm like, there's, there's actually a lot of the Bible. People sit around yeah, going, where's God? Where's God? Yeah. You know? And so, so it's, it's the idea that, that I, I, I it's a point I hopefully was trying to make earlier was that I think people have these epiphanies. They're like, Oh my gosh, uh, this, now I see it. This is wrong in the church. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, 
but it's in the Bible. And, and like you said, there's also the guys across the street in many cases who agree hundred percent with now your, your new epiphany and, and yet they're still faithfully, you know, following Christ. Right. So, and, and, I, and the, and the existence of a problem within the church does not necessitate someone leaving the church. The church having warts does not mean that the yeah. church needs to be thrown out. Right. You're just, you're yeah. just confirming everything that, that God has said about the church or about the exactly, exactly. itself. Right? You're, 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 you actually, yeah, you're on, on the right, you're on the right track in some right. sense, you might say. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I, I think for me that those were those kind of things like leading, reading the Bible sometimes for the first time and going, Oh, okay. Well, you can get mad at God or you can, you know, or God, God actually doesn't care about certain, some of these things actually at all. That some of the things we made and you were, you were mentioning this earlier, I think another thing is just the, for me, the beauty of all that, the beauty of that's helped me is to see the beauty of who Jesus is and the, and, and the harmony of now, obviously there's people that say, well, that's not the Bible I read. I'm like, well, you, you know, you know, you got a guy who died for the world. I mean, that's, there's something in that that's, that's right. unique and powerful. Yeah. And then the ability for that, the power of that, of grace, of love, um, which I think we're in, in moving more and more times where grace and love are, and forgiveness are, are values that are actually under, not appreciated anymore. Yeah. Um, more and more so you don't see them as, you know, whereas, where, but I still think those are those core values of, of Christianity, which changed the world and will continue to change the world. But when I see the, those core values, I see that they have made impact, not in everyone's life who says they follow Jesus. Right. But in many people who say they follow Jesus, it has, it has radically changed who they are and how they live their life. And so for me, when I see that, I go, okay, there's some, there's something going on that's worthwhile to keep, keep following, keep digging there because maybe someone like Corey Ten Boom or this, you know, this, this guy, the hidden life is about, you know, Franz Jägerstatter. I don't know how you say that in German, but you know, a guy who, you know, stood up and believed God was calling him to be a voice against evil. You know, I mean, you know, there's just, there's so many examples where people whose lives have just been, you know, gone from, you know, drugs and pain and all, and, and have found restoration and, healing and things of in their life is back on track. You know, so I realize that that doesn't necessarily prove Christianity, but it certainly helps me see, okay, there's something there worth holding on to and continuing to develop and grow. Um, because those are things that I think they're are, are beautiful in a sense. And um, so I think that just the, maybe the natural, obviously if you're not seeing that natural beauty in, in Christianity and Jesus, then, you know, then that's, that's a, that's a, that's a problem. That's an issue. But for me, that's something that I've been able to hold on to, I think, and, and help me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would say that your point about the, the Bible is a, is a really good one. Um, I think sometimes we, we maybe shy away from what sound like pat or trite answers of like, you know, well, you need to read your Bible. Um, but honestly, uh, we, we've had some staff here in Sweden, recently who've uh, taken to reading the whole Bible. And I think it's like a 30 day period or something. Oh, and, wow. um, yeah, that's pretty good. and uh, all of them without, well, actually without exception have claimed that it's been one of the most enriching uh, experiences wow. of their mm-hmm. life. Um, and I, I just really think that there's a lot of wisdom to that. Uh, one of them made the comment that, that, you know, it's just given them an opportunity to see, because you're reading massive chunks in a, in a day, you're mm-hmm. just seeing things in a completely new light. So even maybe even some of the the harder bits of the Bible about, you know, you know, these people's, you know, being wiped out or, or different things begin to, to take form and context and ways in which they hadn't imagined. Also, one of the staff said, um, it made it clear to me that there is but one message throughout the entirety of the Bible. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. Like it was just yeah. like the more they, they went through it and, and read it, the, the more just the message and the arc began to make sense. Um, I think if you, so that's maybe, in, maybe a, I think something when, when one is reconstructing or deconstructing faith, when one is seeking to, sometimes we can get down into the minutia and it's important, right? So, mm-hmm. okay, the Greek of this word, you know, a lot of the current homosexual 
debate centers around grammar in Romans and uh, or in numbers and different things. And, and there's those debates and those are needed. I'm, I'm, don't hear me say anything else. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have those debates. Um, but I actually think that sometimes, uh, N.T. Wright actually said this. Um, he said, we need more generalists. We need people who can pull back to the 30,000 foot level to help give us an arc and an overview of what the Bible is actually about and what the message of Jesus is. And I actually think that's a real, there's a lot of wisdom in that. So mm-hmm. oftentimes what can happen is when deconstruction goes on is people get lost in the minutia yeah. uh, and on the finer points. And look, those finer points are important, but they lose the contour of the overall argument that actually helps us and understand some of those finer points. And, um, and so pulling yeah, that's back a great point. To, to revisit what is the overall arc here. Uh, and so I guess I, th- that's a little bit of what I was saying in the beginning of kind of my first point of, has anything changed? I think when I struggle, yeah. it's kind of like, I, I have this analogy of, okay, you know, faith is a, is a chair mm-hmm. uh, and it's the process of sitting down in a chair. Um, the way, the way I would explain it is this. Um, I've been sitting down in chairs my whole life, so I don't have to think uh, yeah. when I go to sit down in a chair. I don't look at it. I don't evaluate the minutiae of it. I don't get in, into it on an atomic level to make sure that it's going to be able to hold my weight. Because from a very early age, I encountered things that are the shape of chairs, and that helped me understand that safely, generally speaking, I can sit on chairs. Um, because I have a general overview of what chairs are like, I can always put my faith in chairs, even if one day a chair breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not scared by the next chair I get into. I may shake it a little bit, but generally speaking, I'm going to be okay sitting yeah. down in a chair. Mm-hmm. I would say the same thing is with Jesus. Once we understand in God, once we understand the general contours of who he is and his faithfulness, and especially stories from the Bible and his faithfulness that he displays there, but also in my own life, then when I encounter a chair that quote unquote breaks or whatever else, I, I, I'm not as, I'm, I'm not thrown off by that. My whole world doesn't come crashing down. What I actually begin to understand is, okay, maybe my view of what was actually a chair in this case was wrong or, or whatever else, because mm-hmm. God's faithful and he doesn't, he doesn't fail. Um, I've mixed my metaphors, but, but I, I right. think, I think you, I think you get the point. And, and I yeah. think going back to some of those original things is, is a good idea. Yeah, I, th- I think something to say here too for for people on on both sides of the because you know I think it can be very it seems like for some people it's a very traumatic experience both yeah both both ways and I think and it's one thing that we haven't as as Christians always communicate is is that the the seeker I, th- I do think you know the the person seeking after truth and trying to find the really the the heart of this and sincerity you know I do think there's people who are just like yeah I just want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. I, I, I don't care anymore. I, or, you know, who it's, it's more motivated by money or by expedience or, or whatever, or, you know, comfort. I think that, that, that does exist. And that's one thing, but I think for the people who, you know, really are like, I, I'm looking for something here. I'm looking for some reality. I, I think Jesus is on the side of that person, you know? And I think on, on the flip side, that that means that someone's someone leaving or, or, or the process of, of leaving the faith or deconstructing it, it, while it's kind of maybe a newer thing, right. In, in before you, you just, you can deconstruct your faith really quick when the lions came out, you know, to, to, to so you, you're going to eat in the lions or not believe, well, I think I've figured this out. You know, uh, I think even Jesus is very compassionate towards people like that, you know, uh, in some way, I'm not sure how all that works out, but I know I know God's a compassionate God. He's a loving God, and he's he's on those people's side. So that, as a good Calvinist, as a good Presbyterian, I think that that means the story's not over in a lot of ways for yeah. people. Um, and so I think we also need to be steadfast in prayer, uh, in relationship, in continuing to invite and walk with people, as we said, but also for the the person to to realize that you're on a journey as well, and so and, and Jesus is with you, and and it's it it reminds me of the movie Signs in some sense. I don't remember if you remember that movie Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. yeah, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, where he's a former Anglican priest who's given up the faith because of this horrible experience with losing his wife. And you know, and but the whole thing is this crisis of faith, really, in the midst of an alien attack. But it's it's not about the aliens. You never see the aliens except once, right? It's really not about the aliens. It's about this guy and him realizing, oh, God was with me the whole time. And this whole experience was leading up 
to to this and, and his his so i think too we have to realize that maybe part of the processes that we're going through maybe we have less control over as you know maybe god's more in control of it and he's doing something deeper so that that means that's an optimistic you know but if god works all things for good you know the process is maybe 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 these people a lot of those people um will come back uh yeah, or, or or even yeah, so so this this maybe highlights um, I'm I'm not as much of a Calvinist on that point that yeah, as yeah. far as the perseverance of the saints goes, but what I would There's say what, what what I would say is that that doesn't necessarily in my in my theology I'm I'm not necessarily sure that that means that someone is not therefore in the kingdom. I have a yeah yeah, yeah. gosh a roommate a roommate in my from college who you know, from what I can tell as a believer, but to this day is very anti God and Jesus and uh, evangelical Christianity claims to be an atheist, uh, goes off on it on Facebook. Um, uh, and from my conversations with him, I actually still think he believes. I just think he's really ticked off, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and yeah. it, but so, so here's what I would say. I think God's sovereign enough to sort that part out um, oh, yeah. and gracious enough to know the heart um, and also will hold the all sides to account in so far as he needs to. So, so I, that gives me a lot of, I think as I, as I've been someone who's journeying with um, someone, it makes me on the, on the one side, you often have these, these difficult propositions, right? So on the one side, we can be nonchalant about it and kind of go, um, Oh, no big deal. If they're a Christian, they'll make it through. Well, that I don't think we're called to do that as believers. No, I'm not no. saying you're saying that. Yeah. Um, or on the other hand, we can become so afraid that they're going to fall away or whatever that we become, you know, militantly, I don't know, just, just mean about it. Right. And I think on some level there, there has to be maybe a little bit, it, it makes me be able to relax because I know that God is ultimately in control. Um, but also that, I can be patient because God is patient. God's heart is that people would, would know him and come to know him and, and he can journey along with them. So that yeah. makes me a, a co-pilgrim it, yeah. in that sense. Um, and I think that's incredibly important place. And I think that's what you were saying. I'm, I'm, yeah. um, so I, I, I'm not particularly, um, what do you say? I try not to be particularly fearful of someone's deconstruction process um because i'm not necessarily certain that there's i mean, I, I, I get concerned by people when they start making certain steps but i also think that it's something to journey along with them and sometimes people uh swing the pendulum a little too far but i've yeah. been around long enough to know the pain pendulum often swings backwards swings back yeah or back it's, the other way. it 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 reminds me uh, another another literary illusion here uh the book the samurai by uh oh gosh endo Chizako endo he writes of this japanese guy who i'm gonna butcher the, the what happened he's, he's cr- traveling across mexico to go to spain uh and he meets he, he's, he's with a bunch of priests he's with the big church you know he sees the big churches and the power and he's kind of drawn to that because he goes there's money there but then he meets in mexico i believe it's either a, a kind of a, a priest who has been um, kicked out for, for his mm. views. He, so he's now he's living in poverty with some native people. And there's a conversation about, you know, that Jesus is who Jesus really is. And Jesus is, is really the guy who's off in the woods with the poor people, you know, it, they're, they're kind of making this, this distinction between the church, the power and the glory. And then, the Jesus who's the suffering Jesus, the Jesus that's close to the, the humble at heart, the Jesus that's close to the hurting. And, and, and so there's this intentional uh, contrast between that. And I, I think that's, that's what I, what I, what I would think here is a little bit is like, you know, the people who are hurting deep inside and are trying to figure this out, Jesus is, is near to them and is compassionate towards them um, where, you know, the, the, where the Pharisees were always the ones who, he was not happy with. I think. I think for people deconstructing their faith, you just have to be careful. You don't become a Pharisee on the other side of, of the, of the argument. Which which often happens. When yeah, you unfortunately, the, often yeah. happens. When, when you yeah. swing the pendulum, you you don't. A lot of people end up taking their their same bags with them. 
Yeah. And that's, they're just on the know, other, they're, they're just on the other side of the aisle, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's what's so interesting is that so many of these have become kind of like public testimonies, right? Of right. The need, the need to go in front of people and say, here's what I've done, which is, which is, which is fascinating because it's, it's a, it's like a total contrast to, People typically, where the people go in the other direction. Because remember, there's a lot of people going the other direction right. who are coming out of atheism and all this other stuff and going in. And then there's the ones standing up saying, "Look what Jesus has done in my life." But then you got a whole other group who's saying, uh, "You know, it's kind of a conversion experience the other direction." And yeah. it's very become very public conversion, and very conversion. testimony. Testimony. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, it, it is a fascinating thing. But I do, I do think that it's in the water in the in some sense of social contagion. Yeah. Um, that's that's going on and uh, but i think it's something to be aware of so journeying slowly with those around you and not being uh disturbed by their process yeah. but rather entering into uh even crying where crying is necessary mourning where mourning is necessary challenging where challenging is necessary all of those things are really important uh well buddy uh, that was a good. Speaking, it's a very of, interesting speaking of deconstructing, why don't we deconstruct this podcast into Let's. the next episode? Um, good to talk with you, man. Um, Amen. I uh, I always enjoy it. Um, I hope that uh, it's a good rambling, rambling, ambiguous, mysterious, apophatic conversation. Yeah, th- this Talked was a, a lot of stuff. this was a rabbit trail into the thicket today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if yeah. if one tried to chart where we went, you you would have no idea. <laughs> And I do want to say, just as a, as a, what do you call it? Disclaimer. We are not, we're just talking, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're just trying to talk through an issue. And so if you go, if you heard something and you're like, what are those guys talking about? That's fair. We, we, it's, we're not, we're not authorities. We're just, we know. We, we both hold degrees in BS. We, yes, we do. We do hold some type of degrees, but we're, but we're, we're just, we're just trying to talk through issues and hopefully spark some other curiosity or thoughts or ideas. Yeah, you know, this is this is a little bit of a it's good to know that this place is our little bit of uh, our corner of the world where we verbally process. Um yeah, yeah. In some sense, uh this is two guys meeting up to have a drink and you've been invited to the corner booth. Basically. And, um, and so we're just trying to trying to figure it out. By no means prescriptions, uh maybe descriptions at best and yeah. uh and occasionally wanderings that at the end of it we both go yeah that's just garbage next week we may have a totally different (laughs) all right man well i hope you guys have a great evening and uh until we meet again uh we'll see you later likewise hi buddy (laughs) hold on i gotta stop